Podcast ain't played nobody. Off the road, no more holiday for this guy. Back to the back to the college football reporting. Um, I have one question for you, Bill. What, if anything, would the Big 12 title have looked like this year? <laughs> had there been a Big 12 title game? Right now, let's just figure it out, okay? So we need two teams. We need yep. two divisions, two winners, and a champion. One, two, so, three, go. So without expansion? Uh, yeah, we'll do that first. Well, here's the deal. The whole point of divisions is that you can't play everybody, so we'll divide you up. Big 12 plays everybody, so divisions would be stupid. Uh, and so if you had a 10-team conference with nine round-robin games, you, number one, you're guaranteed a rematch, which is stupid in and of itself. Um, but you also really wouldn't have any sort of need for division. So it'd be like number one versus number two, which I guess would have been like Oklahoma Baylor, right? So Oklahoma beats Baylor three weeks earlier or two weeks or whatever. Uh, and then has to go to like Dallas or Houston or somebody to beat them again. Um, they probably would have because Baylor doesn't have a, a quarterback or didn't at that moment have much of a quarterback situation there. Uh, but they also would have risked losing instead of sitting at home and not losing. Uh, they would have had to play a title game against the team they'd already beaten on the road, and they would have risked losing that game and falling out of the playoff. But you know, expand. Go ahead and expand. Go right ahead and expand. Wow. Okay. Kind of salty there. Um, not what I was. Not really what I was expecting there. W- would you expand? No. 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 I mean, well, okay. Why do yes, you hate Cincinnati, if, Bill? Well, that's what I was going to say. If there are two programs that make sense, sure. Okay. Uh, but if two programs made sense, they would have expanded two years ago. Like those, the, the names of the programs yeah. available hasn't changed at all. So if you're not, if you weren't impressed with BYU and Cincinnati and UConn and whoever else uh, two years ago or, or three years ago or whatever, then you, there's no reason to be now. I, I understand that Houston's better now than they were, so maybe they're a little bit more of an attractive name. Memphis might be a little more attractive, but BYU and Cincinnati have, are exactly what they were. And if you didn't think they were good enough to, to bring aboard when you were bringing aboard West, West Virginia and TCU, there's, I, I've seen nothing in terms of the change of landscape to, to make that a, a worthy decision now. I, 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 I understand that Oklahoma fell from third to fourth in the playoff rankings. I understand that last year Ohio State you know, leaped both, uh, co- both two true co- uh, co-champions last year. But, uh, you know, this year was more indicative of what we'll see, and that's just that Oklahoma was 11-1 and and sitting on its butt in Norman watching other teams risk losing. If they had played Baylor, they'd have probably beaten Baylor because of the quarterback situation, but they might not have, and so their odds of making the playoff would have been diminished by having a, to play a championship game. So I think the, But I think the argument here is that there's not – it's a reinforcement of what you said. Throw any of those two teams that we think would be in the mix in – and I don't think it changes Oklahoma's fortunes all that much this year. It really depends on how you split the divisions. If there are divisions. But yeah, I mean, yeah you know what, Bill, Bill, you bring up a good point. Um, I think there would be divisions only to uh, With- prevent redundancies. And I also, I also kind of pretty much know that certain powers to be in the big state uh, would not want to see a Red River rematch in a conference title game. They would feel like that would sully the rivalry. Well, are we talking not about that that would have happened. Are we talking about a title if they get, somehow manage to get a title game with only ten teams, or are we talking about if they move to twelve? Um. Well, if they get a title, if they, I know if they get a, if they were granted a waiver from the twelve team right. rule, they would not. They would keep their round robin and have one play two. 
Okay, good. Um, Which brings up some of the anxiety that certain people have about rematches of quote unquote big rivalries. Or if you if you were in a situation this year, again, this would not have played out mathematically, but you thought it would have at the beginning of the year. TCU and Baylor playing each other twice in like three weeks. That'd be awesome. it's for us, yes, uh, uh, that would be awesome. But well, it would not. Here's, it, here's the deal: like when we when you think about rivalries, when you're just when you're building the, this in the first place, you're kind of guaranteeing that you make the wrong decision. Either way, I mean, you think about the, way back when when Florida State and Miami were put in different divisions so they could face each other every year in the ACC title game, and it didn't even happen once. It still hasn't happened. So, I mean, I think that's that's short term thinking, and and you know, long term, you you decide based on more broad factors like. You know, if we have a round robin, we don't need divisions. If or if you know we have divisions, then this or that. And so, I the the amount of short term reaction that the Big Twelve has undergone in the last two years has been amazing to me. If we're going this broad, I feel like we can't proceed without me saying that if you schedule around rivalries in general, you probably are going to screw something up. Yeah, cough, cough. Southeastern Conference. Um, <clears throat> there are so many better games that would benefit the Southeastern conference in terms of playoff resumes and fan interest and ticket sales, even though that's not a huge issue right now for the sec, you never know. It might be one day, um, but specifically because of the Alabama, Tennessee and, and Auburn, Georgia rivalries, they've really created a lot of problems for the other schools. Um, I did not want to go this broad. Let's, let's, let's yeah. bring it on home. That's what, that's what Oklahoma that's what we have an hour to kill here. Oklahoma wins a hypothetical division. We don't know who's in that division. That's the biggest thing. So I guess let's stop there and and, redi- and redistrict real fast. Let's just go ahead and say for, for either BYU or Boise and Cincinnati make it in, okay? So I don't care if it's BYU or Boise. It's the team in the mountains and then Cincinnati, all right? Bill, where do you, where do you draw up two divisions real fast? I mean, I would I attempt an east and west thing, but then you you start splitting up Texas schools, and and everybody gets crazy about that. Right. Uh, my so assumption you almost have to go like Texas and other, or like correct. north south. That's my my assumption it, is that it you would have the Texas schools, so you would have Texas, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, Baylor. Um, and then you can get creative. You either take in the two Oklahoma schools, right. or, and leave everybody else, or you do something weird. I mean, the problem with right. going north-south is you now stretch from either Idaho or Utah to West Virginia. And they would be in the same division because they're both north. Well, that's and, – and the other problem, too, is that, like, I, and I know you, you were right about the ACC thing. It's never worked out where, like, they tried to balance with Miami opposite Florida State. But I think – tell me if I'm wrong, year in and year out – if you had all four Texas schools and, and the two Oklahomas in one division, you're going to have the same problem that they had back when they had divisions. Well, you're going to have – that's going to be more magnifying. I mean, at least in, in most years in the Big 12 North, aside from like, a, what, 04, 05, um, there was at least one really good team in the, in the North. There, there weren't often two, um, but, yeah, I mean, in this in – this, I'm not sure. I don't remember where West Virginia ended up in my numbers. You wouldn't have a top 20 team in terms of S&P plus or F plus. You wouldn't have a top 20 team um, in, in the North. You might not have a top 30 team. And just so if you're, if you're listening and driving and, and not in front of a computer, we're talking about a division that we just rattled off all the Texas schools and Oklahoma and Oklahoma state opposite 
West Virginia, Cincinnati, BYU, Kansas, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas, Kansas State, State, Iowa State. Doesn't really, I mean, who wins that division this year? Right, and I mean, Kansas State's been good recently. West Virginia's yeah, been good recently. Yeah, they not, have been good. You're right. Right. BYU's never terrible. So, I mean, there's quality who wins there. Them? But, yeah, I mean, you, you're, you'd be pretty much guaranteeing that the two, not only the two conference heavyweights, OU and Texas, are in the same division, but the two teams that have been the best over the last two years are in that division, too. Plus Oklahoma State, which almost made the title game in, in 2011. You'd be, this would be kind of an extreme Big Ten East versus Big Ten West situation. and yeah, way worse, in my opinion. Yeah, way worse. And, you know, honestly, I didn't mind the Big Ten East versus West thing because that did – I mean, it's just when you when you do things based on geography, you do uh, you're more able to build uh, rivalries that are you know where you know both schools are easy, are are easily able to travel to each other's stadiums, and you get things like, I mean, yeah, you get Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State in the same division, but now you've got Rutgers, Maryland, and, and Maryland both ganging up or trying to gang up on Penn State, which is kind of cool, or could be. Um, I don't know. I, put, I always what, say go to. you need to put Auburn in the East and Missouri in the West. I'm just saying. I, here's my point with Missouri: uh, they are tie, They are bordering more schools in the East than the West. That's always the point I raise. If you may, put Missouri in the in the West, they border only Arkansas. Put Missouri in the East, give them Arkansas as a rival. They border Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and Arkansas. So you just I, broke. I, yay! You just broke my brain. That's all. I mean, the problem is naming them East and West, but they are kind of Missouri is more tied to closer schools being in the East than the West. As crazy as that sounds, yeah. But as someone who 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 lives in an SEC East state in the Central Time Zone, the drive and as a guy who's driven from Nashville to to Columbia, I ain't no neighbor. <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, well, Missouri doesn't have any neighbors. That's that, I mean that's. Obviously, the, the primary issue there. The wind but. is your neighbor. Uh, there were a lot of bowls. There's about to be a lot of bowls. We're going to try and condense our previews and not be every other podcast on that. However, I asked you before we went on, what have you watched? And you said almost everything. Yeah. Okay. Here's a layman's uh, summary. As someone who just spent six days on the Baton Death March of um, uh, holiday relative engagements, um, since we were on our last show, so that would have been after the Miami Beach Bowl. No, it would have been like it went up like right as the Miami Beach Bowl started, I believe. Okay, um, I saw the end of that because I was at home working. Then I saw um, the last, the, the end of the Akron Utah State game. I saw the uh, the Boca Raton Bowl, the Toledo T- Temple game was like on in the background as I was like eating dinner with my parents, um, which is, by the way, I'll, there's a lot of those games that serve their purpose to a T for me, which is just like the white noise of holiday visits. Um, so like my dad and I would look up periodically and be like, oh, okay, you know, like, oh, touchdown, okay, turnover. Um, I saw not a stitch of the Poinsettia Bowl, which I will probably try and procure illegally as I write about Boise State at some point in the offseason. I watched every play of the GoDaddy Bowl. Um, I watched um, maybe maybe two two or three plays total in a bar in Louisiana of the Bahamas Bowl. And I watched uh, the first three touchdowns from San Diego State before I went to drink excessively on, on Christmas Eve. 
moving to the 26th. Bill, did you watch? You, you, you're sitting here telling me you watched all of Marshall and Yukon. Not all, not all. I okay. missed probably parts of the second and third quarters. But here's where DVR, especially with the slowdown teams, DVR yep. is so perfect because yeah. you watch a play, hit skip 30 seconds, the next play start. Hit skip 30 seconds, and the next play starts. It's trickier when you've got hurry ups because you've got to do like on my remote, like plus 30 seconds, minus seven twice or something like that. So you get into a rhythm with the, uh, with the remote in your hand, and you can watch those games in about in like 25 minutes. Um, got got anxiety because I was stuck at the return line in Best Buy um, when the Sun Bowl <laughs> started, which was okay because in Best Buy you can basically like watch a football game. So I watched that side by side with the Heart of Dallas Bowl, um, and then uh, rushed home to watch the last two quarters of the Sun Bowl. Enjoyed that immensely. It was probably my favorite game. Just I mean, let's be honest, it was because of the snow. Uh, didn't see a stitch of the pinstripe bowl, saw the highlight, just being honest with you. And then, uh, drank a lot of bourbon and watched the entire independence bowl, which really, if you're having a casual conversation and also watching a football game with someone else who, who watches football, the independence bowl was perfect, was absolutely perfect. And then, uh, tried, tried my hardest bill. And I know I kind of crapped on this game before, uh, two shows ago or one show ago, I tried to get into the foster farms bowl and it just didn't happen. It's not, I, like, I don't have a moral uh, reservation against a five and seven team. I just, I don't know. It's, it's not going to happen. I, I really just, because I'm antisocial, I really enjoy the thought of the three, five, and seven teams going three and oh. Um, <laughs> and it, it kind of bothers me because that means I have to root for Minnesota against a MAC team, which also goes against my principles. Um, so I guess maybe I just look at that as a, as a no lose situation. But mm-hmm. no, I. I mean, that, that was – Poinsettia was – I mean, Poinsettia. Uh, Foster Farms was the only one I didn't necessarily watch a ton of. Kind of skipped to the end a little bit on that one. But, no, power of DVR. I was able to, to crank through all of them. And, and I have to kind of because one of my goals here is to preview every game and review every game. So You madman. A lot of words. Um, so that actually brings us up to the current bowl slate. And as I look, I will be, um, as soon as we finish this, I will be gathering myself and getting ready to go to the Rose Bowl. So I will miss some of these games just by virtue of being on an airplane. Uh, and then as I am working on bowl coverage and out and about, um, I will have to be kind of picky choosy. Now I will say up front, um, I like, I think most of you listening, I will, especially if, if you're listening to this and you have a team in one of the New Year's six or really, and we'll expand that into like the January one, January two bowls, you will probably do what we're going to do, which is DVR all of them and then suss it out when you get home. So I'm taking a, I'm taking a red eye home from the Rose Bowl. So I won't even see like the sugar bowl and I will land in time to watch. Oh, good. Good, Bill. I'll land in time to watch Penn State in Georgia. Oh, well, thank goodness. Which, as many jokes as we made about, like, we, you know, SB Nation sent our, our young, intrepid writer, Roger Sherman, to the uh, Cure Bowl, we, like, to be totally honest, we should have sent him to the Tax Slayer Bowl. <laughs> that is dog. Um, but no, so, so, so these are the games. After all the caveats, <clears throat> after all the warnings about there is no such thing as a bowl bounce, keep it isolated, enjoy the exhibition. These are the games that you DVR and you kind of feed off of for the next three or four weeks. If, if, if at least, at least I do because I don't have to write recruiting coverage. By the way, um, uh, the entire Poinsettia Bowl is already on YouTube, so there you go. Semi legal. Hey, that's what, Hey, look, I'm going to say this right now. Just, let's let's have a coda here. Everybody, take a knee. Before we get into our previews, before we get into our expert <laughs> analysis, because I'm a guy who watched 14 percent of the bowl so far. Uh, I have asked on this show before 
for assistance in illegally procuring game files. And I need them to be files so I can transfer them to my very, very large, like, 80-gig iPad that I have, okay? I am just throwing that out there. I need help getting through. Maybe you've got an FTP site. Maybe you just keep them private. I know that the kind of people that would video capture college football games and trade them illegally would listen to this show. I don't want the stream links. I want the good stuff, okay? Help help your buddy out. Help me help you with better college football coverage. And I'm just going to pretend I heard none of this. That's right. <sighs> I don't know how federal law is treated in Missouri, but I, I'm, I'll be fine I'm in Tennessee. I'm guessing I'm probably okay on this one. I'm, dude, I'm in the moonshiner state. I'll shoot anybody off my porch. <laughs> um, all right. So let's jump to previews. Um, Bill, how fast or slow do we want to go until we get to the goodness? Um, we always say we're going to go fast, and then we don't. So I, I would just say let's just pr- you know put the foot down on the gas pedal and see how fast we go. Um, we are starting with we've Hit already – Oh, wait, I thought we already previewed those. We did. Did we? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got to jump to Tuesday, the 29th. Um, all right, real fast, I'm going to go with some of the bulls I don't have a ton of uh, background on, but you do, which is why we do a podcast together. Let's go with uh, California and Air Force. I, this is this is one of those awesome, wait, those, these teams play the same sport kind of games. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I, I don't, I'm assuming Air Force doesn't have enough DBs to handle the uh, you know the way Jared Goff is able to spread the ball around, but I love the thought of this matchup. Air Force uh, attacks; they they figured out a, a really good way to counter their um, offense with their defense, and their defense has actually almost been better the last couple of years. Uh, I mean, they just they go after you and they try to get in the backfield and throw off your timing, and it's a lot of fun. And if the DBs can hold up a little bit, then you know Goff is sackable. You know Goff can be. Um, forced to improvise a little bit, and it's not necessary. He's pretty good at it, but it's not. He's not elite in that regard. Um, and if he makes some mistakes, or they're able to sack him a decent amount, then then this becomes one of those oh crap, California can't actually defend this option, can they? Kind of situations. Uh, this could be a really fun game. Uh, the only thing I'll add here is that uh, this is the um, a bridesmaid bull for coaching searches because Sonny Dykes and Troy Kelhan's name show up everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Um, I won't even mention the, the at least two or three jobs off the top of my head that I know for a fact they both interviewed for and didn't get in the last two years. Um, here's one that's um, probably the strongest of the pre-New Year six undercards, North Carolina and Baylor, Russell Athletic Bull. I'll mention the title sponsor when I like the bull people. Um nice. I don't care that Baylor is down on some of their skill players. I still think this is going to be a very fun, very watchable game. And frankly, if Bill has to fly down to Orlando and play quarterback for Art Bryles, they're still probably going to score 28. See, I thought that until we saw the Texas game where they didn't. That the, the Texas and TCU games were kind of jarring because we learned that, well, I guess that Bryles doesn't have immediate answers uh, when playing in a monsoon with a third-string quarterback. And then, well, I guess Bryles doesn't have a fourth-string quarterback. Um, I, it sounds like the third stringer will be back, and that's good. I'm sure they'll score, but they're going to have to score a lot, I think, because North Carolina really does have a lovely efficiency on offense. So They're uh, very good on offense, but I would assume that Baylor would be able to – and I know Baylor's going to be a little bit healthier than I guess they were at the very end of the season – I think that this will be a better, more efficient Baylor team than that played against Texas. 
I didn't I watch mean, the Texas game. I listened to every play and I've looked at it, and I, I would just assume that that's probably the most kitchen sink effort and and every possible positive break, et cetera, for Texas in that game. Oh, yeah. So I, kinda, oh, yeah. I, I mean, throw it one, out when looking at the bowl game. I, yeah, I mean that one was certainly the worst. I'm 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 curious. Like I mean, it, they'll have an actual quarterback at quarterback, and that's good. Um, I I don't want to over. Uh, uh, just gloss over the idea that losing Corey Coleman and I think Shock Linwood uh, doesn't hurt, but it's all about the quarterback. I mean, that that was where they really fell apart there at the end. So, um, I, you know, this one, I'm, I'm still very much looking forward to this one for all the reasons we just said. But yeah, this is the first time in like the entire Art Bryles era where I'm like, where I, I've had thoughts like, wait, does he have an answer for this in my head? It's it's weird. It's off putting. I don't like it. Um, Nevada and Colorado State. Um, <laughs> Bill, um, this was the hardest preview I've written so far. Wow! Because I mean, a Nevada's not good. Colorado State's not really very good either. Um, they both kind of creaked into a bowl game at that four and four, five and three level in the Mountain West. Uh, I mean, Colorado State, I kind of, I mean, Mike Boba did a fine job here. They lost a ton. They only had the receiver coming back. Um, so the fact that they made a bowl game at all is kind of impressive. I don't, I don't really know what Nevada's plan is here under Polian. They, they seem, they're just eking out bowl bids. They're not actually doing very well. They, they're, they still sort of have an offensive identity, but not really. And now they're losing their offensive coordinator to Hawaii. So I don't know. I mean, this, <laughs> I don't even know if I get this game on TV. I don't think I do. Mm, okay. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. It is on ASN. I didn't yeah. even notice that. Yeah, all right. It's moving along. Uh, Les versus Kingsbury. These two teams play the same sport. I think I like Les in this. I know we're not supposed to pick these, but um, this will be the fun one. This will be uh, one of the strongest uh, diametrically opposed philosophy, blah, blah, blah. Um I like LSU to show a little post-controversy enthusiasm, but um, I also see that, yeah, I think, te- you know what? I like this game to be closer than, than most people think. Back up my uh, my very vague general claim here, Bill. <laughs> well, we've kind of already gone in a couple different directions there. Um. I don't know. I just it's. I think it's going to be more interesting than than people give it credit for. I think again, some of this is the fact that I was in Louisiana last week, where there's just a very kind of bullish, pig-headed assumption that even though we hate less miles, we're just going to out out talent to them. And I, I I would give Tech a little more credit than that. Not a lot. Their defense is dreadful. That, that's the part I have to keep falling Bill, back on. Bill, I, like it's, don't it's make my father-in-law really... sound right. Okay. It, it it's going to be really fun watching Texas Tech move the ball on LSU because I think they will. Um, but I think last I checked, they are dead last in my defensive ratings. So I can't I can't really move past that. They're, and their their biggest weakness is run defense. I, I mean, like you gotta we we saw in the last month of the season that if LSU gets moved has to move on to Plan B, it might not work out very well. But I don't. I don't know what Texas Tech can do to get them to move to Plan B. That, so I, I really, I'm I'm stuck on that part. I don't know. I, it is funny with LSU and USC both. I made this, I think, in the USC preview that you haven't read yet because it's not up yet. Um, both of these teams, it's kind of like uh, what are their names? Ben and Elaine in the Graduate. Like they get on the bus at the end. Hooray! We got it. We're going to be together. 
now what? Beautiful uh, metaphor. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Because I, I don't make modern red, uh, metaphors that, that people would actually recognize. I, I, I like to sound even older than I am. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, this is like a hangover game kind of for LSU. And they, you know, they, they won like one game at the end there. All right, you ready? Okay. <clears throat> Birmingham Bowl! I love that this game's in Birmingham. Auburn, Memphis, anywhere besides Birmingham or, or Memphis just wouldn't feel right at all. Every, I'm going to contradict everything I've said about circumstance in bowls. If you're Auburn, you better win this game. Straight up. Yeah. Okay? Of all the SEC teams that have, that have any kind of off, uh, off-season doubt, concern, feel like they're transitioning downward, because the, the MO is in the very long off-season of SEC football, in this part of the country, if you're trending downward, you either you, you, you make a sacrifice by knocking off a coordinator and hiring someone new, blaming it on them. You bring in a stellar recruiting class. Auburn's is shaping up nicely. But there are so many problems right now for a team that was supposed to win the conference, according to people who don't know what the hell they're talking about. They got to win this game, Bill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll it's, say it's this. Be hot this would be anyway. more of a death blow. If a Justin Fuenteles Memphis beats Auburn in Birmingham at Legion Field and gives Auburn a six and what six and seven record, yeah. then then Memphis upsetting Ole Miss, that's a bigger deal. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, number one, they wouldn't have time to recover. Ole Miss had time to recover and started looking really good again. Um, but no, I mean this puts a <laughs> this puts a a really ugly punctuation mark to the season if they lose. This is another one that I can't really figure out. They're um, you know, Auburn, for all their problems, their offense is still efficient. They just haven't created nearly as many big plays as we're used to seeing. And so that means, you know, they got to run more plays to score, and they have a young quarterback who usually screws up before they score and all that. Um, Memphis, though, their defense is terrible. <laughs> um, their offense is awesome. If they had this year's offense and last year's defense, this would be an incredible team, but they don't. And so Auburn really might be able to kind of find a rhythm and, and get going and, and – do just enough to disrupt Paxton Lynch and, and win the game, but uh, that's not very. I'm, I'm not saying any of that very confidently. That's a DVR game for sure. Um, NC State, Mississippi State, in the Belk Bowl. Love this uh, one. Love this one. I love that these two teams were paired together. I, uh, Mississippi State's better, I think. All right, hang on, hang on, right there. Sell everybody on this game because it's sandwiched. It's an afternoon game. It's the day before New Year's, so you're probably working. This one doesn't jump off the page to anybody, but apparently you. Well, it's just in terms of fun, ma- like relatively even matchups, fun quarterbacks, um, teams that are at least relatively close to each other in terms of lot in life. Mississippi State's probably higher because of the last couple of years. Um, but no, this one just, it's a nice regional battle and a regional place that both fan bases can reach. Obviously, one a little more than the other. Um, no, this is just one of those games that just kind of feels right. This feels like a Belk Bowl to me, and I like it. Um, another game that, I felt like would would have looked a hell of a lot sexier if you told me in the preseason that it was a matchup. Texas yeah. A&M in Louisville. Yeah, my I, I, I'm sure Jason will change it because he actually writes good headlines. But my headline for this one, that when I handed it to him, was basically like uh, Sumlin versus Petrino, a defensive battle or something to that <laughs> effect, where both of these defenses rank well ahead of their offenses just as we all would have predicted from someone versus Petrino. Um, yeah, weird. This, just weird season for both of them. Louisville's a good 7-5 and five because Grantham has built a really good defense there, but their offense holds them back. 
A&M can actually is one of the best pass defenses in the country this year, um, both in terms of pass rushing and actually defending the pass, uh, but they still can't really stop the run. And suddenly their offense just kind of quit. So, yeah, I, this one's just weird. And this is, I, I, this, is one, this feels like one of those games where we're guaranteed that only one team shows up. Um, you I, think? I, well, I mean, maybe, maybe getting the new quarterback in place for A&M changes that. Maybe they're able to kind of reassess and, and, you know, just kind of relax and play a little bit. Um, but, yeah, this one, both of these teams have been weird and, and confusing and disappointing and, and that sometimes spells an egg lane. Um, I like uh, Louisville, 22nd in defensive S&P. Yeah. Um, I don't really pay Louisville a lot of compliments because Bobby Petrino, but I will definitely pay Todd Grantham a compliment in that they um, lost a decent amount on defense last year from what Strong had brought into that program. I've been impressed with what he's been able to do to re- to offset some of that loss. Give it yeah, two I mean, more years. I'm still a nihilist about their ability to recruit like a top flight defense without a coach like Strong there. Um, but I've been impressed with them on defense this year. And then also I wouldn't – I mean, I feel like I would be doing a disservice if I didn't mention everything I just said about Auburn is pretty close to being true about A&M in terms of <laughs> offseason anxiety and frustration. Yeah. However, I don't think people are going to leave this bowl game one way or the other. Um, right, because it's it's at least Louisville. It's not an AAC school, a, a regional AAC school like right. um, like Memphis. Um, that being said, I think A and M would would uh, I think A A and M would probably use the win a little bit more than Louisville would, just specifically to counterbalance the idea that now that the quarterbacks are gone, the world is ending. So right. we'll see. Um, right, I love that they you know the the world is ending. They have to go to their third stringer who threw for like forty eight hundred yards in junior college last year. National Funding Holiday Bowl. I just wanted to say that like I was on public radio. Uh, USC and Wisconsin. This one was hard for me to write uh, from a preview perspective. It's one of those weird games where it's good offenses, good offense versus good defense on one side when USC has the ball and then when Wisconsin has the ball, it's uh, shaky to bad offense versus mediocre defense. Um, and that could either result in like a 16 to 13 game or like a 49 to 45 game, which depending on whose you know, weaknesses are weaker. So um, this is a hard game for me to read. I assume you, I mean, USC's, I, I really like USC's offense at this point, but Wisconsin's defense is very, very good. If, if their offense could just not totally stink or, you know, get to the inside the 20 or 30 yard line of the opponent and get into the end zone, which they didn't do very much this year, then, I mean, they could easily win this game. Uh, no anxiety here, though. I would definitely give the uh, the um, if if I'm going to build a metric out of this, I would say that Wisconsin would love to take a win over any Southern Cal program into the offseason for recruiting, especially as they're building a new regime under um, the very mild mannered Paul Christ. It's been funny with Christ. I mean, this year was they were just invisible. This year they lost to Iowa. Iowa never gave them a chance to get back in the race, and then they were just kind of gone. And then you look up and they're nine and three. They could win this Is game it- and. Win what, 10 games and a rebuild. Why is that, Bill? Because every year they're propped up as the, especially when you get into arguments about conference, they're always propped up as that, well, it's not just Ohio State. Well, I mean, they've been really consistently solid even this year. Um, you know, Clement gets hurt and, and Joel Stave still has Joel St- bad Joel moments. Um, but their defense was awesome and they're still like a top 25 or 30 caliber team. I think that's, I mean, they're not Ohio State but they've just been so consistently solid despite losing coaches every other year. So I, I admire that program for that, even though at some point they probably need to keep a coach. 
Very, it's just very interesting to me how they dropped off out of the conversation. Um, you would think that Chris came in there and blew it all up, or or you know stumbled. And he you know, or he was a he was almost treated like, well, he's he's off the tree. He's you know he's not a, a head coach, and you know he he did okay at Pittsburgh, all things considered. So, moving on to New Year's Eve, um, I'm going to go backwards because <laughs> here's why. Everyone and their brother are talking about the, 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 the semifinals, as they should. Or do you want to do the semifinals last? Of course, on this podcast, we are fetishizing Florida State and Houston, and Bill just wrote a Florida State-Houston preview. Bill, do you want to do that last and plow through the other crap? Do you want to do the playoffs? What do you want to do here? Well, we're, just so we don't confuse ourselves, we should probably just start at the top of the day. Okay. All right. So let's go with Houston and Florida State. Um, you apparently hate Houston now. So Why? this is the my, official podcast of the AAC. How dare you? This, um, yeah, my my tentative title until Jason changes it is something to the effect of my numbers hate Houston. Um, my numbers do hate Houston, and I had to kind of dig into why that was exactly. Uh, and I think basically they got lucky as hell this year. They, you know, on a per play basis, they were outgained pretty drastically by um, by Louisville in week two. Uh, they they figured out how to. They, they did a combination of lucky things and, and, and little things. They did have turnovers luck. That did help them out at times this year. Uh, but they also mastered the whole field position and finishing drives and doing the little things and, and timely offense that, that can sort of be replicated. But they still, they were outgained by, on a per-play basis by Louisville. They were outgained by Navy, even while winning by three touchdowns. That was a really weird game. They should have been much closer than it was. Um, and they were, it was something ridiculous. It was like 8.2 yards per plate of 4.9 in favor of Cincinnati when they beat Cincinnati. That's not supposed to happen. <laughs> That's supposed to give you like a 2% chance of winning a given game. So they just, they creeped through and did the little things and got some bounces and, and had a great season. But that's not something that my numbers, like at the per, at the per play level, the, the, the per play measures hated Houston, basically. Like Ed Fing has his power rank and it's like, they're like 33rd. They're 41st in FPI. They're 48th or 9th in mine. Um, and it basically says that they don't seem to be doing something that's very replicable. But, you know, that when you watch them play, they're well, they're well coached and they do leverage the field and they do seem to do some things that maybe the numbers don't appreciate. Uh, I think the numbers do appreciate them, but they're still just not – they haven't been amazing. And if Florida State cares, Florida State wins, I think. Do I, hate, I, hate, I hate every word I just said, by the way. Yes, yeah, seriously. Way to go. Uh, do you want to debunk um, the counterpoint, which is that this is a give a, a give a blank game? That this is the this is the Alabama Utah game. Right. This no, is, I mean absolutely. If Florida State doesn't care to be there, Houston is smart and well coached and just talented enough, and they're good at making run stops in the backfield. So if the line's not very well engaged, then Dalvin Cook won't have any room to to break free. Um, like this, if Florida state brings its C game to the table, then there's, there's a problem. If they bring their A game, they, they win easily. Uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine who, who is apparently loves tyranny, um, and hates, hates when mid majors get propped up as having the depth and the quality and the ability of like, a um, you know, a, a, a true power program. And he said that Florida state Houston is going to be as bad as, uh, the sugar bowl with Georgia and Hawaii. 
I, 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 well, I personally trust Houston more than I trusted that Hawaii team. I don't think my numbers do, though. I think from a numbers perspective, it's pretty similar. So we'll see. I mean, Georgia cared. That was Georgia came out with a point to prove and, and proved it. But if Florida State doesn't, <clears throat> then I mean, you know, Houston, Houston's smart. They can hang around. Okay, so they're not Hawaii. Houston, comma, you're not Hawaii. <laughs> I think uh, Orange Bowl, Clemson and Oklahoma. Um. I think it's the better of the two games. I think that the uh, talk of last year, which apparently has already come out in one of the press events, that Baker Mayfield says they're obsessing over watching last year's bowl footage and that it was disrespectful. Um, those are fun, dumb things that you build inside of a um, inside of an offensive or defensive team meeting room, and you talk about how this isn't going to happen again. Um, this is how you actually truly build a narrative because then you cough this crap out in the six-day lead-up to a bowl yeah. game where there's six different press events. Um, none of that matters. None yeah. of that matters at all. Brent Venables would tell you that none of that matters. Um, this is a completely different Oklahoma offense. They have a really good coordinator. Again, credit Bob Stoops for making the changes that he's needed to to survive this long by being very uh, very smart with his hires, his subordinates. Um, that being said, Bill... Who you got? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, comparing last year to this year, the, the OU offense has a, new, a different coordinator, a different quarterback. It's got an actual number two receiver in D.D. Westbrook. Uh, Sterling Shepard is completely healthy. They've got Joe Mixon now. That's a humongous difference that Josh Heupel would have loved to have last year. Um, but instead he had um, a banged-up uh, uh, Trevor Knight with no confidence. He had a, a Sterling Sharp that, who, Shepard who missed some time and. Um, and got hurt. All he had was Samaj P. Ryan last year. And Clemson was way too good to, to, to face with only one weapon. So this year, Lincoln Riley has done a really, really nice job. He's had more toys to play with. And, yeah, it's a completely different game. You've got Baker Mayfield now. I've said this but before I didn't show. answer your question. I didn't answer your yeah. question, did I? Well, let me, before you answer the question, I've said this on the show. I've tried to, I've tried to divorce myself of my first-person perspective. As the guy who saw Oklahoma play Texas and Tennessee and then caught other games on TV, did you know what went back, what did scores, et cetera, how do I convince myself that this is a team that's going to hang with Clemson? And I know they're favored. Yeah, I don't really like that they're favored. I don't think that's really justified. But, um, but no, I mean, they just, since the Texas game, they, you know, they shuffled their offensive line around a little bit. Uh, they shuffled, I think, their secondary around a little bit. Uh, and Baker Mayfield just started playing out of his ass. You know, he 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 uh, has been just awesome. He was about the only good thing they had against Texas too. But uh, so maybe it wasn't him at all. Maybe it was everybody else giving him more support. But I mean, I watched the Texas game and I watched three or four games since then. They've just been better. I think you know, from a numbers perspective, in terms of the RF plus numbers, um, Clemson has a slight advantage. They're number two, and Oklahoma's number three. If you go back and start making tweaks based on, on the teams they played or, you know, health and whatnot, I would say Clemson's advantage gets a little bigger because OU missed um, uh, Seth Russell at Baylor. They missed Trevon Boykin at TCU, although they also then lost Mayfield for part of that game. Uh, and then uh, Mason Rudolph was hurt as well for a part in, uh, and barely played against OU. So they did kind of get lucky in terms of injuries, but only so much. That only counts for a, a little bit. This is a really good team. I think Clemson's a little better. Um, and I do think, you know, the fact that Venables knows Bob Stoops really well probably doesn't hurt. So I would give Clemson a slight edge here, but not much of one. Wow. Okay. All right. I'll believe you. 
I appreciate um, that. I assume that it's going to be a more exciting game than what I feel like is going to be a route in the Cotton Bowl. Um, I don't say that to slight Michigan State at all, but uh, I just – I tell you what, could you, could, you, could you mount an argument right now that tells me that Michigan State has um, a puncher's chance in this thing? Um, yes. Okay, go. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, it's kind of verifiable with this year's team at least. Like, if Connor Cook is healthy – it, it, it feels like it's almost – this is not a stat thing, but it, it feels like you know Michigan State's going to play well. Like they, they, they play they, – they do seem to have been able to save something in reserve for bigger games this year. Uh, and they've been, they were able to beat Ohio State without Connor Cook. They beat Iowa with a bad Connor Cook. Um, I, I'm really, really impressed by that. And so if Cook is actually healthy and, and can throw an accurate ball this time, then, you know, by the simple fact that they slow the game down and they minimize possessions, they're going to stop Alabama's pass for the most part because Alabama still isn't that great at it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're only good at it. Um, you know, they, they certainly have the beef up front that maybe, you know, Derrick Henry's, you know, the, just jackhammering away with Dak, Derrick Henry only gets you, say, 30 carries for 120 yards. Um, if they can do all that and then get a couple of turnovers, they can absolutely win the game. It's just... You know, I tend to look at things like count the ifs. That's what I like doing in the offseason preview series. Alabama's ifs list is way, way smaller than Michigan State's. Right. My thing is when I say route, I'm thinking more of the the way slow 20, moving death. Twenty four to six or twenty four to nine could very much feel like a route in that way that Alabama does. Right, where it's like seventeen to nine uh, yes. late in the third quarter, and then they win thirty one to nine. Yeah. Yeah. That that true ability to snuff hope. Um, all right, January 1st, your hangover is greeted by a pretty terrible game, Tennessee and Northwestern. I, my number, like, for everything I just said about Houston, my numbers hate Northwestern, loathe Northwestern, um, basically because they loathe Northwestern's offense, and I do not see how Northwestern is going to score any points against Tennessee. Um, I would like to throw in real quick uh, another uh, stupid anxiety point in terms of a fan base and a culture. Tennessee has to win this game. I know it doesn't make any sense. I know what you're thinking. Um, Every other program I've talked about is one that's trying to salvage a season, build some sort of PR effort, change a narrative. Tennessee has won their last, what, two games? They have won more games than they have the previous year. Everything is going right under Butch Jones. They have to win this game. This is... (laughs) This is slowly becoming one of the dumbest fan bases in college football. Have to win this game against Northwestern, whose offense is, what, probably the worst in the country? <laughs> well, they, Tennessee played Missouri earlier this year, so it's not even going to be the worst that, Missouri, that Tennessee has faced this year. Um, Northwestern I, Missouri, give me an over-under. Set it right now. Vegas odds. Like 18. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go nine. That feels like such a 13-3 Northwestern win. Oof. Um... Is there anything else you want to add to it other than, uh, yeah, it's incredibly stupid. There will be a ton of people from Tennessee there that are still talking about the Florida game, and yeah. I don't think that Northwestern can score points. Well, I mean, everything I've ever heard from Spencer says they're not, they haven't slowly become the, the dumbest fan base, but um, I'll leave that to the experts. Uh, I, I, it, would, it would be bad because they're the better team, and, and they've already lost a couple <clears throat> games this year to teams that they were better than uh, because they, they farted around and screwed up the fourth quarter. If you do that against Northwestern, you really might lose. As I continue to try to not to cough on, on air here because I'm, I'm my voice is gone apparently. Oh, I but, cough all uh, the time. 
Huh? There you go. I just but, let me know, and I'll cough louder to cover yours. I this this game will have no impact on how I view Tennessee next year. Correct. But, but if you want to, you know, this is yeah, this is a bowl game. So if you want a happier fan base, um, win the damn game. Don't mess around. Michigan, Florida, no one actually right. cares. This is a game I'd like to see next year. This is a game I would not like to watch on January 1st because um, I – this may be the, the rare uh, the rare no one cares at all game that doesn't involve an interim coach. Like normally – sometimes you get the no one cares at all game on like December 26th with two mid-majors with transitioning you know, coaches and stuff. These are two big programs, and I just – man, I, I have a tough time selling this for either locker room. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, and this is funny too because um, no matter, it, this is the exact opposite of a must win game. If you, your team loses, you're probably not going to get, it, you're not going to hold it against your coach very much. I think both of these coaches proved something this season uh, in, in like September and October. And then, you know, Michigan's defense, uh, the defensive front anyway, fell apart in November. Florida's offense completely and totally disintegrated. Um, and so I think both of these teams are looking forward to next year, and, and we'll see what that means. As bad Probably as not it is, it ex- it, I mean, it, these games exist not not to sell us. But it's just that, you know, between if you if you got a bowl game in Orlando on New Year's Day and you can pull in all the snowbirds and the locals, you, you're, you're doing something right. I mean, this is just a financial no-brainer. It has nothing to do with the actual kind of crummy football that's going to be played. Notre Dame and Ohio State, possibly yes, – Possibly the most non-talked-about playoff bowl. <laughs> um, I wonder you why. Mean, you mean talked about non-playoff bowl? Uh, yeah, we'll go with the right one there. Okay. Uh, thank God that this game is on the, uh, at the same time as those others. Uh, we're only stuck with an hour of Northwestern Tennessee before we can watch that one. No, it, I, I'm just from you know pure anecdotal uh, you know memory. I'm going to assume Ohio State comes out and, and you know ready to murder somebody now. Yeah. Um, but I mean, first of all, I guess we don't know if Zeke Elliott's playing since he was involved in a little bit of an accident yesterday uh, this weekend. But um, the dumb narrative on this bill, and feel free to reinforce or denounce, is Ohio State totally loaded, lost because of one bad night of play calling, lost a chance out of the playoff because of one bad night of, uh, of play calling against an yep. inferior team. Yep. Notre Dame injured to hell and back. Yeah. You okay with that? Yeah. And, and if I, I really hope that both of these teams are engaged because this will be really, really high quality. Um, no, I mean Notre Dame. I, I, Notre Dame has proven more, more to me this season than they did in 2012. You know, I mean they got they got lucky that year. This year they've gotten yeah. unlucky in every possible way, and they and still, still hung on. Yeah, like I, I've been just really, really impressed with what they did this year. Um, I like the. Uh, I actually, really, actually would approve of the of the lazy the narratives on this one. Just yeah, having, yeah, yeah. I mean, having it, seen these it, teams it this year, um, would totally love to see a Notre Dame from like. I don't know, eight injuries ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, but right now I think the fact that Ohio State has a seven next to their name and Notre Dame has an eight next to their name means absolutely nothing because I feel like Ohio State is a far superior team. And I also feel like Meyer will use this as a statement because it's Notre Dame specifically. If Ohio State gets paired against, not Houston because that's their XOC, but if they're in an NIU situation, I don't think they would lose. I just think they would phone it the hell in but focus on other, you know, bigger things to come. 
I do feel they're like fourth and fifth, they're fourth and fifth in F plus, by the way, like um, very, very high quality teams. I, I know I, the discrepancy for me is more more related to the injuries than anything else. And also, this would be the best Notre, this would be the best team Notre Dame's played since uh, not having their schedule up in front of me. Clemson. Yeah, right. Because they're better than Stanford. Yeah, I mean that's. I think they've been able to to get by and look and when I say get by, I mean that's a hell of a coaching job that Kelly's done. I mean they've they've plugged and pulled and changed and modified, but this is this Notre Dame team that's gotten progressively thinner and thinner and thinner, and they ended their season with um, Temple, Pitt, Wake, Boston College, and then a loss at Stanford. So just saying, things are you know big upswing there in terms of quality of opponent. Um, uh, the Rose Bowl where I'll be. I kind of like Iowa, Bill. Tell me I'm stupid. Um, I'm I I fear ever saying any. Uh, you know how I feel about Iowa. <laughs> um, I, it's, it, am I reading too much into what I saw, or is it I just? Think, well, I mean that was that was the best game they played, and so if they do that again, they'll have a really good chance. I just there, you know, Stanford is is. This is the type of game they like anyway. Yep. And they've just been murderous on offense. Yeah. They've been so good on offense. Better than I like that Iowa defense, has. though, man. Um, the, <laughs> I, I, I've been tr- struggling to kind of reconcile the stats versus what I saw uh, against Michigan State, too. I, I mean, first of all, you know, Iowa's offensive stats are fine. Um, yeah. But, I, and, and honestly... Stanford, I, I every time I start to just go full in on Stanford, I remember their defense isn't very good. But um, I mean, I think Iowa's got a good defense. I think uh, I think Michigan State has a decent offense. I think Stanford has a great offense. And so um, you know, if 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 Iowa just comes out playing with their hair on fire because their because their fans managed to um, uh, stripe the Rose Bowl. That's awesome, and, and they've earned it. They've earned a, a happy ending to the season. They've had a just right. this has been a really fun year. But you know, this is uh, I will say if they play ten times on a neutral field, I think Stanford wins seven or eight. Absolutely, I totally agree with that part. But I definitely would put some weight into the fact that they're only going to play once, and that I definitely <laughs> feel like momentum is on Iowa side. That's not how odds work. I yes. I, Every argument I'm going to make for Iowa right now is probably against metrics because they only play once. Stanford has been in the Rose Bowl more recently. That's not to say that they're going to come in deflated at all. I think that that would be a disservice to David Shaw. They've done wonders being consistent. Um, But at the same time, I think it just matters more. I really do. Yeah, no, I mean, if this is pure motivation, I think Iowa has more of it. um, Iowa 22nd in your rankings against the run. Is that enough? Uh, I mean, Stanford, the problem with Stanford is that they can pass, too. Uh, Kevin Hogan has been deceptively awesome since the Northwestern game. And, um, I mean, they just, I, I really, they have a, they're seventh overall in offense. They're 21st rushing, and they're seventh passing. Oh, yeah, I just realized that. I actually expected those numbers to be inverted. Now, I mean, I will say, Kevin Hogan still has some dumb plays in him. Like, we've seen, like, he does still have brain farts in Iowa, you know, that's they beat Nebraska by basically, uh, you know, sitting back and waiting for Tommy Armstrong's brain farts and then pouncing, um, which is a pretty good strategy to take against North uh, against Nebraska. 
but um, Hogan's better than Armstrong. So, I mean, it would take a, a, a performance that's kind of out, out, out of character for Hogan at this point for them to be able to pounce on too many mistakes. Um, the dumbest thing I've heard in association with this game that makes me feel like Iowa's a bad pick is when people start justifying Iowa by talking about the Northwestern loss for Stanford because mm that is not the same team. Not no, 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 no. That week That's one, one of those... for Stanford is three years ago in football time. Yeah, no, I mean that's that that only works if you haven't seen Stanford play since. Which, to be <laughs> in the defense of a lot of people, is the last time they saw Stanford. It's, it's hard to stay up till midnight, so yeah. Uh Sugar Bowl, Oklahoma State Ole Miss. Uh Ugh. I mean I never do this, but uh, give me the alma mater. I, I well with the way I'll miss it, you know, losing both Kim Dichies and whatnot. Um, like they, I they don't, I don't feel like they're heading to this bowl in the right place. But Oklahoma's going to state's going to have to play really well because they're just not that good. Um, Ole Miss on paper is way better than Oklahoma State. Yes, let me temper um, that. By the way, we're not supposed to pick these, and I've 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 turned this into as about a schlocky segment as possible. Um, I, when I say give me the alma mater, I, I'm talking about a talent by talent comparison, and it, I think it's more about what Oklahoma State doesn't have versus what o- Ole Miss might be dealing with at the at this particular moment. I also talked to a trusted source on the staff uh, a week ago and I said hey how's bowl prep going and they said well what we're going to do is um, we're going to look at everything we did last year and not do that so that's <laughs> a pretty str- that's a pretty strong um, <laughs> that's a pretty strong endorsement right there I really uh, do I mean I don't have a rooting interest in Ole Miss but it would be kind of a shame if you know this is the end of an era um, they're recruiting well and so it doesn't have to be the end of the Hugh Freeze era but for this cycle of recruits it's the end and it would be really, it would be a shame if we didn't get to see them play well one last time. If they kind of went out like they did last year, that would be a massive missed opportunity. I mean, they've they played not well. Not to foreshadow. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, not to foreshadow things to come in terms of what content we're working on, but um, I do find it to be a, a very special brand of irony that is seems to be native to Ole Miss that the recruit that got the other top recruits there won't be playing in this game. Yeah, you talk about eras and changing things and cultures like. Um, we'll have Bud Elliott on here really soon once the actual football stops. And, you know, Ole Miss is in contention for the number one class in the nation right now. They're in that contention because of the way they, of what they've built in this last cycle. They, they built that in the last cycle because of the Kendichi brothers sort of specifically. So yeah. um, all that being said, I don't think that has a rip to do with Chad Kelly to Laquan Treadwell against Oklahoma State's defense. No, I, I mean, they're just, they're a better team. If they lay, if they play like they did last year, they'll lose to anybody um, but I'm just going to assume that they don't, and, and I'm going to make I'm going to make them prove me wrong. Um, Tax Slayer Bowl. <sighs> just want to sing it. Just want to sing it and feel it. Um, I don't. And even, it's at 11 a.m. Uh, well, 12, it's at noon Eastern time. Like that's if you've got a game where neither team has a lot to play for, and then you stick it at noon in Jacksonville. Uh, so bad. Um, I will say this: if Rick had still been there. Uh, he would have he would have found a way to focus Georgia on on to this game specifically because of the way Franklin seems to rub everyone raw. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think Rick would have wanted this. Franklin made such a big deal out of beating Georgia when he was at Vanderbilt. Um, that being said, it's a skeleton crew of his old guys, and I think everybody's yeah. just got their minds on something else. What kind of? I'll be interested to see what kind of Penn State offense we have. Um, 
I won't be interested in much else, to be totally honest with you. No, if this is a, a pure motivation game, you assume Penn State might have a little bit more of it just because, I mean, they, well, I mean, they have a little bit more to prove at this mm-hmm. point, but, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this should be the, this, this is the hangover game. And it's on the second. That's terrible scheduling. Uh, <laughs> Liberty Bowl. Uh, Bill, can I? Do I need to say anything other than the following sentence? Arkansas is still going to win by thirty-five. <laughs> I think there's always there's always the paranoia that Kansas State that Bill Snyder is going to do something weird. Okay, um, and he's he's you know he's got a, a former protege there um, that he's going against. So. That's all I've got. Kansas when you were State in college had, and you had your one friend that was the wildest friend. Like the really wild guy, and he would like do all the stuff in the bar and the crazy stuff and jump off the roof and whatever, and like you know get a tattoo on his butt on a dare on spring break, and then like his dad or his grandfather would show up, and you would just see this like immediate like to attention. <laughs> That's everything I've seen so far with Bielema when he's around Coach Schneider. <laughs> the and and that's a that's a joke, but it's also I would like to emphasize the amount of respect that people who are swarthy by nature like Brett Bielema have for a guy who's the total polar freaking opposite in every way in Snyder it is amazing to watch yeah and I mean maybe that rubs off and maybe his team doesn't have an edge or maybe it it means that he gets them ready to play as hard as they can because he respects Snyder so much I don't know all I know is for sure that uh F plus rankings Arkansas is 15th and Kansas State is 77th Alamo Bowl Man, uh, thank, thank goodness are we overhyping this? This one saves the day. Are we overhyping this? No. Okay, I'm just checking. I wish Josh Josh Doxson were playing. Um, yeah, you know, just so that both teams would be at kind of their full power. At well, I think if we had a healthy TCU playing, that TCU might be playing on New Year's Eve. Well, yeah, possibly. Yeah, they. Um, but no, I, I I can't wait for this game. This is going to be so. I mean, this is this should be what we what Baylor North Carolina sh- would be if not for Baylor's exploding quarterbacks. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the the just so everyone wants to know my personal schedule. Um, I'll cover the Rose Bowl, write about the Rose Bowl, take a red eye home. I'm six foot five and about two hundred and um, probably about two hundred twenty pounds right now, and uh, I can't sleep on planes. Is my point. So I will land at home at dawn, wide awake. I will then go to bed, dream my way through the tax flare bowl, as we all should. And then uh, the ambient will wear off at, uh, that's 545 Central. So I'll get up, have a cup of coffee, boom, Alamo Bowl. Yeah. That's kind Pretend of good like living, to be honest with happen. you. What's that? Pretend like the rest of the day has not happened. I mean, honestly, if, if as a college football professional, Bill, and you, you trudge through this crap because you're, I don't know, a robot without feelings. Uh, if you miss two games, <laughs> those are the two games to miss. Yeah, keep keep like check uh, your phone every now and then just to make sure Kansas State isn't doing something wild. But I talked to yeah. I talked to um, an Arkansas fan four days ago who has the Razorback tattooed on his chest, and we were sitting sipping a beer on Christmas Eve at, at a restaurant. I said, uh, "So when are you going to the Liberty Bowl?" And he looked at me. He's like, "I'm I'm not I'm not doing that." Spence. Man has a Razorback tattooed on his body, and and he looked at me as if I had suggested uh, going to an outlet mall or something. That, that. I, you know, and it's a, an ex, a, excuse to go to Memphis, which is kind of like New York in my book, where I love going and I love leaving. Um, but I love going. Ooh, okay. For the record, uh, I don't. 
Just wanted to throw <laughs> that out there. Really? You, you like Memphis as much as New York? No, no, no. It's in the same category of love going, but I, uh, I love driving I, I like through New York it. more. I love dry, driving through it and wiring it for C4 and watching the cloud go up as I get to Nashville. Ah, Motel 6 Cactus Bowl. I just like it. Wouldn't if you had a T-shirt from any of the bowls, wouldn't this be a cool T-shirt? Motel Six Cactus Bowl. <laughs> well, I mean, does it have like we'll leave the light on for you? I mean, I hope so. Um, um, a home game for Arizona State. I'm going through the tropes here uh, again. I'm going to go on anxiety alert here only because of the little bit of whimper we heard about some dissatisfaction with Dana Holgerson. Um, so, by the way, uh, stupid dissatisfaction. Stupid. Very stupid. Yeah, super stupid. Um, uh, it was actually. When you look at the whole of their season, they were banged up. Um, they looked on defense great until they specifically. started getting banged up. They lost a ton of close games to yep. good teams. Yep. Well, yep. they also lost uh, not close games, but you get also the, the post traumatic stress disorder that I'll never shake of watching um, uh, seven days worth of in bed work die at forty four nothing. Yeah, that's, as far as I'm concerned, they should be in the national title. Uh, Bill, give me a sell point on this. I, I mean, both of these teams have a lot of potential fun. Okay. Um, you know, West Virginia isn't quite as much fun as they were a couple of years ago, but they do. They are good. I mean, they're they're quite solid. If they're healthier, that's even better. They're better than our Arizona State for the year as a whole. Um, but it is a home game for Arizona State. I, I don't I don't know what either of these teams bring to the table motivation wise. But if they both bring their B games, that that should be a really fun way to end bowl season. Okay, I'll take that. I like to see. I mean, this could be a secret sling it game, right? Well, right. This is one of those 10 minutes in, you'll know whether you need to keep watching or not. Ooh, if, okay, if both teams call. are engaged and hitting hard and all that stuff, this will be a really fun game, but they might not be. I think that it could be the opposite and still be watchable, and that both teams just decide to play bad defense. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if you're going to disengage... Just do it on the defensive side of the ball. Well, no, I mean, I'm serious here. Like, I haven't yeah. talked to coaches who have seen... Like, when new coaches come in or they talk about looking at old film or something... Uh, they always say that you know it's it's usually the defensive guys in the crappier positions, like crappy meaning like a harder job to do, that are going to take it off a little bit. You know they're going to yeah. lag a little bit. And with these two teams, I think that could you know good recipe there. You could have a solid six hours if you go if West Virginia Arizona State can kind of operate at sixty six percent of the strength of the Alamo Bowl. No, yeah, that one. This one absolutely has potential. I'm just I'm, I'm not sold until we're ten minutes in. Oh, that's fine. I think that's good. If and then if not, just dump out and and catch up on DVR, which is yep. what you know. I'm looking forward to doing that when the season's over. Um, okay, so that's the whole slate minus the national title game. Um, it kind of makes me sad. Remember how the GoDaddy Bowl used to be like, yeah, January 29th. Yeah, I mean, I I guess it's. I mean, from my perspective, since I preview all these damn games, I don't really like that they're bunched. There are more of them, and they're bunched together. Yeah, um, not real. Not a real fan of that. Had a, have had a lot of previews to write and still do, but um, but yeah, it is it is weird that we went in the opposite direction in that regard while adding more bowls. Yep. Um, quick shout out as we transition to the off season, we're going to come back and talk about the national title game. Um, I will be out in Phoenix doing all the hoopla and stuff. When we get done with that, um, we are going to press on, act like nothing ever happened, and. Uh, and just give you all the off-season content you want in the world. Wanted to give a quick shout out if I can find the email. Um, and I'm stalling as I look for it. As we enter the off-season, I want you guys to shoot us questions, and not just when we solicit them on Twitter, 
Um, here's one. Okay, I'm not even going to answer it this week because I actually want to look into this. It's something that I did a little research on, one, because I used to be a beat writer of this school. But uh, Joshua Fink wrote in and asked a question about an alternate universe in which Southern Miss financially can structure their way out of the CUSA and into the AAC. Uh, not just because it involves the AAC, but that's a badass question. So we're going to ask more of you guys as we enter into the offseason. Throw, throw us some stuff that requires me to do a little homework. Uh, Bill's a robot, so we just like sometimes I'll just heave stuff at him and then you know go make coffee and come back. I'm kidding, Bill. I don't do that. Like uh-huh. once a week. Um, give us some good stuff. We we don't want to stop doing this. We want to keep going all the way through the off season. Maybe take a little bit of break in the summertime, but uh, there's plenty of stuff. We are obviously neither one of us recruiting experts, um, but we are going to take you through that. We're going to take you through spring ball, and then um, at what point, Bill, do you break ground on the 2016 previews? The week after signing day. Holy crap! Yeah, we might go. We might go team by team. <laughs> Just cause. No, I, I, I like the guest that. list that we're we're preparing. Hopefully, some of them say yes. Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're gonna do interviews. I forgot about that. We're gonna do interviews. We're even talking about going on site at a couple places. That's right. Yeah. So look Full out service. now. But just gonna say it right now. You guys are gonna have to kind of pick it up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't expect too much from us here. Yeah. Well, and if you do, you better be helping. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> all right, all right. man. Uh, I think that's a good uh, good point to leave it. We'll be back to talk about uh, Clemson and Alabama, I think. He could be totally wrong, he says, as he concludes the podcast. 